This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including Latin 101, Learning a Classic Language. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal, who's been keeping an eye on Benjamin Netanyahu's political fortunes. But, Bill, I'm confused. I've looked again and again at the polls from Iowa and New Hampshire. I don't see Bibi's name in there anywhere. It's amazing how much people are following this election in a country um, thousands of miles away. I mean, you turn on cable news and they're discussing it as if it were a statewide you know, election here in the U.S., and I guess it does show actually how close Israel is to the U.S. And I really, you know, so a friend of mine just made this point to me on the phone half an hour ago that, uh, you know, the kind of intensity of interest in it, not just bipartisan on both sides or because you really care about Israeli policy, but just this general interest is a sign that uh, despite the gulf between the two governments, that, you know, Israel has really be is, – is, Americans care a lot about Israel. They're interested in Israel. They feel a kind of kinship to Israel. Well, I've been trying to be careful with this election because I do a lot in European media, and the message they give me all the time is, uh, you know, Barack Obama is exactly the kind of president we want you to have. <laughs> I tell them yeah, that. right. Exactly. I don't. Is Israel voting the kind of president America wants them to have, or American conservatives well, want them to have? Well, I think there's a certain commonality of worldview. We saw that with Netanyahu's speech to. To Congress. Now, obviously, we don't quite know. We don't know the final results, at least as we're speaking. Netanyahu seems to have a lead. Um, looks like he'll have a much easier time putting together a coalition than Herzog would. It looks like he'd be the first person to have an opportunity to do so if he holds on to this lead. So I, I think the odds are quite good that Netanyahu is the next prime minister. Maybe in a big coalition, a national unity type coalition, maybe in a smaller one. It's a pretty big repudiation of Obama. I mean, he really did butt into this election from refusing to see Netanyahu attacking his speech uh, in Congress, letting his aides attack him pretty, uh, you know, in a vulgar and, uh, and disparaging ways over the last several months. Uh, rarely has the administration rooted more for uh, a change of government in a foreign country. And uh, put real, and then of course the Obama team was over there working on turning out voters, including Arab voters, uh, to really try to maximize the, the anti-Nissan-Yahu vote. And it seems not to have worked. It seems like, I mean, Herzog would have not have been nearly as accommodating to Obama as people sort of suspected over here. I mean, they don't really, people who don't, you know, Herzog is pretty hawkish. He, he doesn't like the Iran deal either. He wasn't going to go back to the 67 borders either. Still, psychologically, if Netanyahu had been defeated, it would have been viewed as a victory for Obama over here. Um, and I think, I hope, the opposite is the case. And people here see that, you know, the citizens of Israel, who are an extremely diverse bunch, had many grievances against Netanyahu, many on domestic policy grounds, didn't like some of his policies, fairly or unfairly. Nonetheless, at the end of the day, I think they agreed more with Netanyahu's analysis of the world around Israel and, and the world itself than with Obama's. You know, one of the things that's uh, hard for me as an American to grasp is I see the whole thing based on a security issue, Iran, the number one terror right. sponsor of the world. Although it was interesting, the report yesterday, Bill, that the Obama administration's new national intelligence and, and analysis has taken Iran off that list. That, that can't be accurate. I keep waiting for this, more to that report. But 
you know, it's hard to remember that in, for Israel, this is a domestic election and has to do with how much did it cost you to buy groceries last week and can your kids afford to rent an apartment in the city where they just finished college? Yeah, I mean, from their point of view, I mean, Herzog, in an important way, took labor back to the center. Sort of like, think of Clinton in 92 with the Democratic Party after they had run a Mondale or Dukakis. So he, and he has very n- noted national security experts, former generals, uh, who were part of his party, were going to be in his cabinet, went pretty far to try to reassure centrist Israelis that he'd be okay on national security, turn it into a domestic policy election. Again, think Clinton, 92, very similar. Uh, uh, People were tired of George H.W. Bush then. They're tired of Netanyahu now. I mean, he's been prime minister for six years. He was in for three years in the late 90s. He's a combative guy. He's not a warm and fuzzy personality. Uh, and just like in America, you know, Israeli politics is partly about the kind of, you know, do you, do you, do you care about people like me? Do you, are you sympathetic to my problems? Uh, Netanyahu has been, a, I think, a very good prime minister. He was a terrific finance minister before that. Responsible for a lot of the economic growth Israel's had over the last 15 years or so, but, you know, with economic growth comes uh, cost of living increases and pressure on the middle class. And, and so there was a big, it was a moment where one would have thought they would have voted him out. And I th- he wanted to, it to be about security, and Obama helped him. I think the great irony of this election is Obama's highlighting the importance of this Yahoo speech to Congress two weeks ago by criticizing it, scorning Netanyahu, the whole assault on Netanyahu, probably let some swing number of voters in Israel uh, sort of decide, you know what, maybe it's safer to vote for Netanyahu, maybe I will vote my national security concerns, I, I'd still kind of like maybe some what the other parties are offering in domestic policy better, but I think Obama really may have made the difference for Netanyahu. And I, I don't know, I, you know, after listening to us talk about how politics should end at the water's edge and, uh, you know, what were we doing here as Republicans interfering in the uh, Israeli elections, to see David Axelrod, President Obama's personal political voice, you know, disparaging the uh, the campaign that Netanyahu ran, uh, you know, implying that it was a, a hate or race-based, uh, you know, uh, appeal. I thought was both uh, embarrassing, hypocritical, and wildly ironic. Yeah, well, wildly ironic. I'd occur to be accusing Netanyahu of being demagogic. I mean, but uh, and inappropriate. I mean, obviously, Axelrod's a private citizen. He can tweet whatever he wants or say whatever he wants, but. He is still viewed, and correctly so, as someone who's very close to President Obama. And, you know, to just go after Netanyahu in this way based on really nothing. I mean, one or two comments sort of misreported in the American press, but even so, not bad, not, not inappropriate comments, in my opinion, uh, made in the last couple of days of an election campaign. And then he uh, disparages not just Netanyahu, but the Israeli voters, who he thinks are a bunch of... You know, probably thinks that they're the kind of people who, what's Obama's line of fear? You know, they they, they clutch onto God and guns and. and the, you, you mean know, the bitter clinger, the bitter clingers of Israel? That's it. I think Axelrod used the Netanyahu voters as Israel's bitter clingers, and you could see that in his comment. Very not gracious and not wise. Not wise. But look, he is going to be prime minister most likely for the next. I don't know, one, two, three, four years. It's a parliamentary system. You can't be sure. Obama's going to be president for the next year and a half. It's not in anyone's interest to intensify the dislike between the two. And I'm sure someone has mentioned over there to Netanyahu that David Axelrod tweeted this. You'd think he might just decide not to go on on Twitter for a couple of days. But it shows how deeply invested they were in defeating Netanyahu. I really can't 
you know, it's almost unprecedented in that respect, the, the degree to which, and what, what was the point? I mean, the Herzog government wasn't going to like the Iran deal. The Herzog government wasn't going to stop building, uh, expanding apartment buildings in North Jerusalem. So ultimately, it wasn't really going to matter that much in terms of policy. It's just that somehow Obama can't stand that there's another figure on the world stage who's an intelligent, articulate guy, leader of a democracy, who doesn't count out to him and, in fact, speaks up and stands up against him when necessary. Yeah, and that is uh, interesting about the, the what the result is actually going to be. And so now the question is, does this have any impact at all on the kind of breakneck pace, this throw everything at the Iranians to get a deal approach that President Obama's taking? Will the fact that Netanyahu will still be there across the table, will that change anything? Or is, is that just going to be, you know, okay, back to square one, we're right back where we were. Iran, what do we have to do to get a deal out of you? You know, I... I, I was not at that table and hasn't really been advised to be at that table by the Obama administrations. I think, if anything, it'll make them even more um, hell-bent on a deal with their great legacy. And maybe that's one reason they're so upset, that they do think Netanyahu speaking up against the deal would be a lot more powerful than Isaac Herzog, a unknown figure in America, probably being somewhat hesitant at first to be forceful in the way he spoke up against such a deal. So maybe it's the Iran deal that's got them so worked up about a Netanyahu victory. It shows how much they desperately want the Iran deal. They've just yielded on every sort of uh, negotiating point they had once claimed they were going to hold to. And I think that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, and that's going to be an interesting issue for Congress, so, uh, uh, to say the least. So, yeah, it, it, it is amazing how much this is what Obama believes in. He believes in the Iran deal, and he believes in uh, putting people like Benjamin Netanyahu in their place. Uh, one last question for you. The uh, Where does this leave the Democrats in the Senate who have been rallying behind the president even on an Iran deal they don't like? You know, they started shifting their language uh, You know, when uh, Netanyahu spoke. It gave them some cover to kind of be grumpy about Netanyahu without having to come out and say, yes, President Obama, I'll stick with you on Iran. Well, now the Netanyahu story's done. He looks like, as we talk, he's well on his way to re-elect, forming a coalition government. And so it's going to be facts as usual. Will the Democrats, who were willing to follow the president for a certain degree when they had cover, still stick with him on a bad Iran deal and have to go back to their voters, their constituents, and their donors and explain it? Yeah, it looks like they're moving away. That's what happened even in the last two, three days before the election. Uh, tonight, despite the contrary to what everyone said about the cotton letter, oh my God, it's going to backfire. If a um, Corker reporter who was picking up some Democratic co-sponsors over the last couple of days, or at least expressions of interest in co-sponsor, and that's for the bill that would require congressional review. Uh, I don't know. I'm always wary of predicting that Democrats ultimately are going to stand up to Obama since they never seem to really do so. And one somehow suspects they'll always be a vote or two short, but but maybe not. You know, it may just be that they really do. I mean, if you're a Democratic senator and a serious person, do you really think that the President of the United States can just negotiate this deal with no form of congressional approval? And this fundamental deal that, you know, puts Iran on a, one short of nuclear weapons and all the implications that has without a serious policy debate. I just think it's kind of institutionally serious senators would rebel against that. So they'll denounce the Cotton letter and they'll say that Netanyahu's election has no effect. But I do think actually the Netanyahu election gives a little cover now to the senators to say, okay, look, I mean, it's not as if he was repudiated by the voters of Israel. And so why don't we at least have a debate here in the United States Congress? But that, I mean, just 
the fact is, if the president can somehow enter on Congress, if he can get the UN or whatever, if it is, or if he just does the equivalent of an executive order, I'm not going to participate in sanctions, or I'm going to offer relief for sanctions. Right. Won't the Europeans just run in in whatever tiny gap they get, and then that'll be it. For all practical purposes, sanctions against Iran will be over, and Iran will be on the way to being a nuclear power. Well, and that's why this deal is so dangerous, because it makes the choice, really, military action or Iran becoming a nuclear power. Whereas if you could stop the deal, even slow down the deal a lot, then you still might be able to restore the sanctions regime. It's another reason for Congress to step up. People in Congress need to understand that if they can't restore the sanctions, if they can't make the sanctions regime a living possibility, what does Prime Minister Netanyahu think, what choices he left with, if he thinks that this is a deal that legitimizes Iran as a, as a, within, you know, months of being a breakout nuclear state. So, I do think it's all the more reason for Congress to step up, but we'll see if they do. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your analysis. Even as the votes are still being tallied in Israel, we appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.